All right, welcome back to our another episode of Trade Talk. I'm Maggie Wymore here with my co-host, Mr. Justin White. How's it going, folks? Yeah, <laughs> really excited to jump into this podcast. This show is with Jeff Dominic. I ran into Jeff at the Lawn and Landscape Technology Conference a bit ago and immediately was fascinated with his story. Yeah. So Jeff is, by definition, a landscape startup. Something I'm familiar with in the Silicon Valley is tech startups. We all know Uber and DoorDash and all those. Well, yeah. Jeff is basically the landscape startup. So he went out, he got a private equity partner, and they launched this company called KeyServe in December of 2021. And really, I think launched January 1st, 2022 as one brand. And since then, he's he's completed three more acquisitions for a total of six acquisitions in about 18 months, which is very, very quick. And I know he's got a bunch more in the pipeline. So in this episode, Jeff just goes over who you're looking for when you're looking for a PE partner. He also talks about his experience at Site One and NDS and specifically Site One when he was on their leadership team helping to acquire and integrate new companies. And at that point, supplier companies into the Site One model. He's got a great playbook for growth, specifically organic growth, and talks about that. He shares a secret at the end of the episode that I think everybody's going to want to steal. I know I've already... <laughs> On the fly, too. You know, we didn't <laughs> yeah, even preface so good. it. It's so good. <laughs> one of the best that, things, that, one of the best secrets I've heard. So far, I would say, you know, no offense to any other guys, <laughs> but he's <laughs> probably the best one yet. And, uh, and he gives some really fun and immediate tips in your business. Like one of the things he says is just answer the phone. You know, it's one way to differentiate yourself. So look, this episode's a blast. You know, Maggie, I know you had a bunch of takeaways. I'm sure our listeners are going to have a bunch of takeaways. Yeah. And when you brought Jeff to to me and saying like this, I, I want to, I've talked to this guy, I want him on. Um, you know, I, I wasn't as familiar with him, but I, when I looked him up, but I'm like, wow, what a cool resume. Um, so if you haven't already, you know, Jeff Dominic, Jeffrey Dominic, look at him up on um, LinkedIn and just take a look at his resume and see just how he's touched every single piece of the industry. Um, and yeah, really excited. Um, I was kind of like a, a kid on her first day of school going into this episode, <laughs> just to, to hear all of the knowledge that Jeff has made out of his app op- and learn from his opportunity presented to him. So, and he was so open. I mean, he shared yeah. things that I was like, you really want that out there? But, <laughs> but he, what he said, he said, I dare anyone to execute as good as we do. So yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jeff yeah. and get to know him. Let's do it. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Trades Talk. We have with us today Jeff Dominic from KeyServe Companies. Um, so lucky to have him on this call with us as you know they are becoming a big name in the landscape industry. Um, Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, tell, why don't you uh, just give a brief in- intro, tell a little bit of the, the listeners what they need to know about you. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so Jeff Dominic, uh, industry guy. I've been... Uh, around the industry since uh, mowing grass in the Molly Pitcher Cemetery for $3.85 an hour, um, way back in the day. Um, got a degree in landscape architecture from West Virginia University. Um, thought I was gonna be the next Frank Lloyd Wright and, and realized <laughs> that, that that wasn't gonna happen. And uh, and really just gravitated towards the, the business side of the industry. 
uh, always had a really strong passion for, uh, you know, the design build side and the residential residential side of the industry. But I've seen all different facets. Um, you know, I spent a few years with the Brickman Group. I spent a couple of years with large uh, development companies on the land development and landscape side, like Dell Web, Centex, uh, and Pulte. Um, spent 10 years in manufacturing NDS uh, drainage products, uh, headquartered out in California. Spent seven years uh, with Site One Landscape Supply and was actually a part of the transition from John Deere Landscapes to, to Site One, which, you know, in my opinion, there's there's a few pivotal moments in an industry. And I think, um, I think you know, that transition that Site One went through brought a lot of attention to our industry, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of private equity interest. And I just learned a ton there. And um, we started uh, KeyServe. Uh, we formed uh, the corporation in December of 2021. And, and we closed our first three deals uh, on December 31st of, of 2021. And so we've been we've been at it for about a year and a half. We've got six deals under our belt so far and, uh, and growing in a nice, a nice pipeline and, and, um, you know, continuing to focus our energy in the Southeastern U S um, which is where I'm located and, and where all the companies that, that have joined KeyServe are located. Well, Jeff, thanks for that great intro. Uh, Justin here with K and D and Maggie's co-host. So my first question for you is, what was the driving force to do what I would consider kind of a landscape startup and go from zero to three companies through an acquisition? It's different than most people, you know, as most people get in the industry, right? They buy buy some mowers and start business development. <laughs> you you drive, jumped right in with acquisitions. And I love that story, but maybe tell us a little bit about the motivation behind that and, and how that idea came to be. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the the career, the career path that I took, um, you know, spending nearly nine years at NDS and then the time at Site One, um, I worked for some really great leaders um, and, and you know, was fortunate enough to have, you know, people not only invest their time, but their 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 money and resources in, in my personal and professional development. And so you get to a point in your life where you know what you're really good at and, yeah. uh and I know that um, I've got, you know, big ideas and I like to, to take big ideas and run. And so I, I never really wanted to, to start small. Right. <laughs> and um, and so I just, you know, I, I, I've always in the back of my head, you know, knew I would get back to uh, my roots, so to speak, which, you know, is, is residential, you know, landscape design, building maintenance. Um, I just didn't exactly know how. Um, you know, I think, I think COVID may have, um, you know, influenced that a little bit. Uh, I was living on the West coast, um, up on, uh, Bainbridge Island, uh, outside of Seattle, uh, running the, what they call the mountain West for site one. I was traveling, you know, four days a week and, you know, really grinding and having a lot of fun and learning a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I, I realized during COVID everything I was missing, right. All of a sudden the travel stops and, in your home and, you know, you're present, you know, all the time. Um, and I recognize two things. The weather in Seattle is really that bad. because, <laughs> and, and two, that, you know, I really enjoyed, um, you know, I, I really wanted to be a little bit closer to home. And, and you know, my kids are getting to that point where, um, 
you know, there's just a lot going on. They're 13 and 15. And, and for the first time in my career, I didn't want the next job that would have, I, I didn't want to take the next step at the career that I was at or the company that I was at. So, you know, I really just kind of dug in and said, okay, what are my, you know, what am I good at? What do I want to do? And I, you know, everything from flipping houses to, I mean, I had, had a, a list of a hundred ideas and I just come kept, kept coming back to, you know, how fragmented our industry is, how many companies fit that, you know, million dollars to three and a half million dollars in EBITDA and don't really have, don't really have an exit strategy. Right. Um, yeah. And then started thinking about the, the associates with those particular companies, you know, great people. Like we have, we all have them in our business and, and they always hit this kind of glass ceiling. And I was like, here's a great opportunity. It's, it's really kind of taking the playbook that we ran at site one, which is taking great family run companies with great people and really just helping to take them to the next level with technology and strategy, and good leadership and training and, allowing folks to achieve their, you know, people hear it all the time from me, personal, professional, and financial goals. And, and yeah. it typically goes in that order, right? Yeah. You know, if you ask somebody, you know, nine out of 10 people, what's more important to you, uh, your family or money, they're going to say family, right? And so <laughs> how do you, you know, how, how do you build a great company with great people and, and allow them to continue to challenge themselves and continue to grow and and watch them do things that they didn't think they could do, or, you know, yeah. their degree in horticulture never gave them a roadmap to do, right? So it's it's kind of how I, I landed there. And, um, you know, I, I partnered with a company called Kid and Company. Um, and I was introduced to Kid and Company through a, a third party who, who runs a, um, almost like a meet and greet a couple times a year where they take you know, guys with experience like myself that have an idea, you put a strategy together and you kind of shop that strategy to, to different private equity groups. And the amount of interest in the landscape space was like absolutely, I mean, it completely blew my mind. Um, yeah. You know, I talked to 20 different PE groups and out of 20 of them, 10 came back and said, you know, we really like this strategy. We want to talk further. So, I mean, that's, that's how I ended up here. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, there's a lot easier things that you can do, I think, <laughs> in, in kind of that next stage of your career, but we're having a lot of fun and we're, you know, we're working really hard to build a great company and meeting a lot of great people. And, you know, to be a part of this industry right now with all of the change that's happening is really exciting. All the technology, robotics, and, you know, it's, it's so just, fun. It's a fun place to be in for sure. And, you know, um, to, to give us a little bit of a timeline. So when you first took that step up, I'm, I'm guessing the, the first step that you took was putting this idea out there in a space that, you know, you could gather resources. It kind of like you said, you were meeting with a bunch of different PE firms. But give us a, a little bit of a timeline on, you know, from idea first entering Jeff's mind to making the decision, this is where you want to go to, you know, securing funding to all of that. How, what does that timeline look like um, for, for people who might be, you know, newer to this whole you know, acquisition private equity world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, from the time it, it started brewing in my head to the time it actually hit a piece of paper, 
I would say was years, right? You're always, you're always kind of thinking about, you know, the what ifs and you're working on things. And, um, but you know, once it really hits paper, uh, things can go really fast. Um, especially if you have a good strategy and a good industry and you, and you've got, you know, good relevant experience, um, things can go really fast. And, and in some cases I felt like it was moving faster than I was ready for it to move. Um, uh, but you know, it was about from the time I pitched the first strategy until, you know, we sent our first LOI out, it, it was about, I don't know, about 90 days. Oh, wow. It's really long. And, um, and then another LOI came and another LOI came and, and then a fourth LOI came and, and one of those LOIs fell out because their quality of earnings didn't go. So there was a lot of, you know, kind of emotions and roller coaster happening through the process, but it can go really quick. And, yeah. uh, it, it, I was, and I, that's a lot faster than I was expecting for you to say truthfully. Like, I don't, I don't know if Justin, if that, that sounds familiar to you, but you know, specifically in, um, the residential space, you know, the, you're kind of setting a new precedent for private equity in the landscape world. A lot of these larger, um, companies doing what you're doing are focusing more on that commercial maintenance setting. And with you guys focusing more on the residential side of things, it's, a new venture and exciting, but 90 days was definitely faster than I was expecting. Yeah. And you know, the residential versus commercial, I mean, I think, I think the focus has been on commercial because those companies are a lot larger mm -hmm. and they, they tend to have a lot more infrastructure. Um, they have a lot more, um, you know, discretionary income or EBITDA, however you want to look at it and, and private equity. I mean, they, they bigger is better in, in a lot of cases, particularly in that middle market. So they're always looking for, you know, at least five, but they much prefer about $10 million in EBITDA. And for us to do that, we had to go buy four companies and, yeah. and a lot of, a lot of equity groups really don't have the stomach for that. Um, a, there's a lot that can go wrong, right. Uh, B, um, you know, the, there's just a lot of, you know, there's no infrastructure. I mean, we had to set everything up. We had to, we had to set up bank accounts and, you know, yeah. get, you, you know, just all these things that, you know, a bigger company already has in place and you just kind of take over when you buy them. And, and we had to do it all from scratch, you know, find software, find, you know, insurance provide, everything was, everything was all brand new. Um, yeah. Which is fun because you kind of get to, you, you, you kind of get to set the roadmap. You don't have to necessarily work within a box, but you're sometimes I would like to crawl back in that box and say, maybe I wish this was <laughs> solved already. Yeah, for sure. Jeff, you know, I think there's a few different kind of people listening right now. People who are thinking they're towards the end of their career and they've got a great team that they've reached capacity and they're looking for an exit plan. And then I think there's those folks who are looking at maybe their in my step of their career where they're just getting going and they're looking maybe for private equity to partner with them, <clears throat> create a strategic platform like you've done. And I think either way, you know, the, the decision comes down to who is that private equity firm and then who is that partner company. So tell us a little bit about, first off, how do you pick the private equity firm? And then secondly, maybe a little bit about what's the experience when you're bringing a company on, what, what could that, owner that is partnering with you uh, what could they look forward to yeah so choosing a private equity i mean that was really uh, important i was very fortunate in my career at both nds and at site one to have 
terrific private equity sponsors. So we had grand partners at NDS and they probably owned us longer than they wanted to because they carried us through the downturn. But uh, I mean, they were just a terrific private equity partner. I just remember being, um, you know, being involved in, in board meetings and listening to their insight into their business. And, and they weren't there to run the business. They were there to, you know, to support, to support the teams, you know, make sure you're thinking about everything before you're making decisions. And that was really, really cool. Um, you know, John Deere Landscape, Site One, uh, CDNR, you know, large PE group focused on carve outs and then taking them public. I mean, they were awesome. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I had an opportunity to present to that board three different times during my tenure. And I mean, it was just, it, it's really cool. I mean, cause you've got just all these really smart people in a room and you're sitting there talking about, you know, landscape drainage and the size of the market opportunity. And they're interested, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, they're just, you know, they're just trying to get smart on the business and and the way their minds are wired, they they can really help you turn over rocks that you hadn't thought about. So I wanted to make sure that I had a PE partner that um, was, was energized by um, learning about our industry. Um, and the cool thing about our industry is I don't think there's a single guy on our board, regardless of what their role is, that at some point wasn't mowing grass <laughs> as a kid, right? So yeah. everybody's got this personal experience with landscape or, you know, they've renovated their, theirs at home and they've got experience with it. And so it's not like, you know, being an injection molding manufacturer, nobody's got experience with that, right? Um, so it was very personal. So so I think having that um having somebody on uh, on the PE side that um you know was interested and excited making sure they're well capitalized um i think the thing the two things that really you know put kid and company to the top of the list for me um number one uh they they have a long history of starting really small um and doing two three four you know deals at a time to get to scale um, and not a lot of companies are used to that. And then two, they've got a really, uh, a really great um, seller equity program in terms of how they, they roll over equity. So a part of their model is, you know, 20, 30% of, of the, the purchase of your company, you're going to roll that into KeyServe. And that's a tax deferred, you know, that's a tax deferred um uh, uh, element of your, of your payout. And, um, uh, it's a really fair equity. Um, there's a lot of companies that, you know, put the equity in different, different positions or don't, don't allow any equity whatsoever, right? They want to keep, keep most of the upside for themselves. And, you know, kid and company's model was, was very attractive. Um, I really like the guys over there, small down to earth, They've been doing it a really long time and they haven't changed their recipe. It's very, it, it's very much the same. So I think that's, you know, really important. Yeah. Is there any specific questions that you would um, like recommend to someone if they were interviewing a private equity company? You know, what um, were you coached on any of that? So how going into that, exploring that, what were the, the, the main questions that you were asking? Yeah. I mean, it, it really was in a lot of cases they were interviewing me, but I, I would say because there were options, there were, you know, I was more interviewing them and it was really just, you know, what's most important to you? How long are you going to, 
you know, how long do you hang on to companies? Um, you know, do, do you, do you recapitalize companies, right? Yeah. A lot of e companies, they'll, you know, as soon as you're generating cash, they'll suck the cash out and they'll refinance you. And it just feels like you're never getting ahead. And, you know, so, so understanding what the capital structure looks like, understanding what their, um, their, their tolerance for risk is, um, understanding the support they're going to provide. Um, you know, if you're going to be an acquisitive company like KeyServe is, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, doing deals is a lot of work. It's a lot of, um, you know, back and forth. It's very emotional for both the seller and the buyer. Um, and there's a lot of people involved on both sides. So how involved are they going to be, um, you know, and how well equipped are they to handle those, those types of activities? So, you know, for me, I, I was very selfish in the interview process and in making sure that, you know, they were checking the boxes that were, you know, important to me and, and, and supplementing, you know, some of the areas where, you know, I would consider some of my weaknesses. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's just some great takeaways as people look at how to exit their business, whether it's again, partnering or it's potentially growing their own company through an investor. I am very interested on how you close three deals at the same time. I think that's <laughs> something that in my, when you said that it kind of jumped out to me is that had to be a challenge and on calendar year end, you know, so it was like new year's happy new year was the first thing that, that yeah, man. How, how'd you make um, that come, come to be? You know, it, 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 it was not easy. I, I, I don't know if I would recommend doing it. Um, I certainly wouldn't recommend doing it on year end, especially when there's a, um, you know, at the time there was a looming, you know, there was a big rumor that there was just going to be this huge tax change. So yeah. Everybody that was doing a deal, they were like, hey, I got to close this by December 31st because, I, you know, I don't want my tax basis to change. And we we're like, oh, geez, you know, so there's that extra level of pressure. Um, but it, it really is good communication. I mean, you know, I think of the, you know, I was fortunate at Site One, and, and that's really where I learned how to do deals. I mean, we did some at NDS. I wasn't really involved in those as much. Um, Site One has a, has a great playbook. And, you know, part of that is is just staying really close to the leadership team you're dealing with. It's a very emotional uh, process for them. I mean, this they built this thing from, you know, like you said earlier, Justin, a couple of mowers in a truck. And um, and they're really passionate about the, the company, their customers, their employees. And so there's just a lot of communication. And, you know, quite frankly, sometimes you just have to get yelled at, you know, just get on the other side of the phone and they're going to yell at you and, you know, tell you you're terrible and your attorney's terrible. And you're like, I know this is, this is terrible, right? Let's just work. <laughs> let's just work through this. But um, it is hard. Um, we, we did just close two deals uh, on the same day uh, this year on, on March 31st, which is a little better than December 31st. Um, and part of that, th this one was a little bit different because we told them we were going to, hey, this one we're going to close. And we staged them. So we would get everything done. We would sign all the paperwork, put that in escrow. And then, you know, until everybody was timed. And that was really more just from a, the lender and financing. Uh, we, we just wanted to kind of do one, you know, one turn on that. But um, mm -hmm. but it is hard. And, and, it you know, making sure that you're communicating with the sellers. Because when you're looking at deals, you kind of have, you, you got attorneys, right? And they're a necessary evil in the process. And a lot of times sellers will have, 
um, a business broker or an advisor of some sort, and they're important in the process. But I, I always find it really important. You know, this is where you can really earn a lot of credibility and build a relationship with the seller because our model, we don't let our sellers go to the beach full-time post-close. You know, we want them to stay involved in the business. Um, they've got a secret sauce. We don't know it. We want to learn it. And, you know, our average seller, the average age of our seller to this point has been in their, uh, you know, mid forties to, you know, early fifties. So, um, you know, we don't have a lot of guys that are looking to, you know, that are looking to, 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 to call it quits. So, um, that was, you know, that's really important. And you, you want to make sure that if, if you are partnering with private equity and there are other people in the business already, start building relationships with them. And, and so, um, after the first round of deals, I, I included, um, some of the guys that have already been through this. I'd be like, Hey, you know, things, things at QCL are getting a little crazy. Let's get on a plane and go down there and have dinner with them and tell them it's going to be all right. Because yeah. We've already been through it. Right. <laughs> and then next yeah. thing you know, they're calling them, you know, because they built a relationship and they feel comfortable calling them and, and maybe talking about things with them that maybe they don't feel comfortable talking about with their advisors or, or with me. So, so that, that works really well. And, and, and again, it goes back to the sponsor, you know, you can't just have a, you can't have a banker with, you know, no feelings or emotions, you know, tied in this, you got to understand what they're going through. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've worked for, um, in my previous life, I worked for, you know, many different landscape companies and one was kind of that in, in your target, right? So, uh, you know, three, $4 million landscape company, residential maintenance. And, um, you know, I am thinking about the culture that that owner has put on that company. And so, and how protective of it he is of it. And, you know, I know Justin and his family owned business and, you know, in the residential space and similar thoughts there, but I guess, how do you determine who's the right, what the right companies are like how do you there's a there's a huge TAM out there lots of market for the companies that you're going after how do you determine and connect with and um I guess go to look to purchase companies where do you get your opportunity from yeah well I think there's a mixture of two I, I'll start with like what you look for and maybe this is a secret I shouldn't tell but I'll tell it but <laughs> um it, I always ask people you know what you know what are you most concerned about and going through uh a sale process and you know the right companies are going to say i'm really worried about my team and i want to make sure that they're going to be well taken care of that to me is like okay that box is checked like you know he's got a, a good healthy culture um or she's got a good healthy culture that that's really important um because a big part of the, of the reason why you know i, I want to put the strategy together is not for the sellers that they've they've already made a lot of money i mean the landscape industry has created a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of millionaires, right? There's a book about it, um, you know, but, but there, it's that next level. And we want to, we want to create some wealth around them. And we want to make sure that, that, that those folks are, you know, are, are, um, are being treated well now. And we want them to view joining uh, KeyServe as a, a, a benefit. And we've got to earn that. And, uh, you know, there's some things that we do, 
you know, early on to, you know, make them feel comfortable that they're not going to lose their job, right? Too many bad 80s movies, you know, talk about these big PE groups coming in and firing everybody. Well, you know, that's not what we're going to do. Um, if anything, you're more likely to be promoted um, if history repeats itself than you are to be fired um, in the first 12 months of joining KeyServe, which is, um, you know, which is really, really important. So quick question on that is, as you, you know, purchase and integrate these companies, how are you building your leadership team at KeyServe? You know, what does that look like today? And what is it going to look like tomorrow? Yeah, it's a great question. So we talk about it a lot. Um, so, so far, um, you know, I've hired uh, Jay Hermoyan, uh, runs finance for us. Um, we just got really lucky with Jay. He actually did a similar strategy in uh, the medical device space. And he had just gone through an exit um, with that company. They were fairly acquisitive. They were bought by a larger strategic buyer. And he was looking for his next opportunity. So, you know, thank God for, you know, for the work that Jay's done. Um, you know, we had, when he came on, we had four different QuickBooks files. We weren't in a single accounting system. You know, it was a, it was a, a mess, right? Um, so we've added Jay. Um, I've hired. Uh, a guy named Mike Schreiber. Uh, he was out of the conference with me. He runs our uh, our marketing and category management. Um, Mike and I worked together at NDS. Um, nice. I hired him in 2010 at NDS and been trying to figure out a way to work with him ever since. Um, we're currently recruiting a senior operations uh, leader or a COO. Um, that's a really critical role. Uh, right now, we've got three senior operations leaders um, and their, their former company owners. So um, Peter Casatelli runs our Charlotte Metro, Peter Black runs um, our Florida operations, and then Stuart Trowbridge is running our Alabama operations. And that, you know, and those guys are, are doing a terrific job. Um, I would like to put somebody um, that can help not only support them, but more importantly, support the folks beneath them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and so we're working on that. Um, we've, we've got a, a senior HR leader with, you know, Larry Jones. We, we, we're not real top heavy right now. Um, we're very nimble. Um, you know, we're moving, you know, we're moving really fast and we're, we're, we're trying to, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, leverage the resources that we have within our organizations. We're not running a cost out strategy. So when we, when we acquire a company, if they've got five admin folks, I'm not sitting there calculating, oh, great, we can get rid of three of those admins. That's X dollars we can, you know, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, where are these admins going to fit into our business? We, we don't have a big corporate office anywhere. Um, we're fairly decentralized. Mike Schreiber's in Lancaster, PA. Uh, uh, Jay is in um, is in Atlanta. Um, Larry's in Charlotte. You know, so we're, we're we're fairly decentralized, and we've we've been very fortunate leveraging the talent within these companies. And so they might still be doing AR, but they might be doing AR for you know four companies instead of just the the one they were doing. So um, it you know, that's actually the fun part is kind of putting those puzzles together. And that's where you get to, you know, 
you have interaction with somebody, it's a positive interaction with somebody, you really don't know what they're capable of. You don't really don't know what their background is, but you're just like, I feel like we can, this person can really do anything we ask them to do. Let's give them this opportunity and let's, let's set them up for success. And we've done a lot of that and, and it's worked out well for us and we'll continue to, we'll continue to do that. It's very similar to how I, I ran the business at site one. Um, we didn't take a cost out strategy and, uh, and that paid dividends for us. And it really reinforces, you know, the culture that we're trying to build, which is, it's a great place to work, you know, cherish your job. Don't be afraid of losing it. And, um, and, and that's yeah. really important. Yeah. The people side of this industry, it's like, what the reason that I love this industry so much, you, you mentioned, um, early on in the call, you know, I talked about like the person with the horticultural degree, not knowing what they're going to do with their life. And like that, that is me. Um, you know, I, my degree is in landscape management and, uh, production and, uh, floral design. And I was, I, you know, working for these companies and now I get to talk to people like yourself and hundreds of companies throughout the, throughout the nation and even into Canada and, and whatnot. So, um, it's really cool that you're providing that opportunity for, for other people. Um, so I'm going to kind of do a little bit of like a role play, not role play, but like, say I'm your, your, your prospect, the, the company you're trying to, to get to join the, the key serve company. Um, what, what di different things are you going to provide me? What resources are you going to provide me as a business owner um, that are going to set yourself apart from those other players out there? Yeah. Well, I think the, the, I always punt that question back to the seller and say, what do you really enjoy doing in your business? And so I'm yet to hear, I love finance and HR. Like, <laughs> I, that's not anything I've ever heard anybody we've talked to say, I just, I just really want to do more finance and I want to do more recruiting. Um, so, you know, I, I try to get an understanding of the things that they really enjoy to do. And, and if there's an opportunity for, for us to double down on that and use them more broadly across the organization, then, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that. Mm -hmm. uh, great example, Tony D'Alessandro. Um, Tony is the Dalla and Dalla Casa, which was one of our first, yeah, uh, companies and uh, Tony's running, you know, technology and integration for all of KeySurf. Um, and that's, you know, really what his background is in. And he really enjoys that. He's completely exited all of the day to day stuff. Um, and uh, and and that's what he wanted to do. Right. He's like, I'm really sick of the operations of the business. I don't want to do it anymore. His partner, Peter, he loves the operations like he lives it. <laughs> Freeze it, sleeps it. He's happy on a skid steer. So Peter gets to do, you know, that kind of stuff. So first and foremost, what do you want to do? Um, how broadly do you want to do it? You know, most of these guys aren't really looking to build a career, right? They're, you know, what they want to do is they want to take care of the company they've built. Um, they've got, you know, they're now a partner in KeyServe. And so they've got, you know, some some equity that they want to, they want to protect and, and invest in. Um, so understanding what they want to do is really important. I think the second thing is a strategy. Um, you know, we sit down and we'll do a local market, what I call a local market strategy with these, um, with these sellers and we bring all their key people in a room and then we'll bring some folks from our side and we just sit down and say, okay, what do we want to be right? Where, where do we want to go? Um, and, and what do we think we can achieve? What are the resources that we need? And, and we just get a lot of, we get a lot of input right down from, you know, are we running the right trucks? Um, 
you know, we're outsourcing all of our service maybe. So maybe we need, you know, a mechanic in house, you know, whatever it is, we just kind of put everything on a board and, and we, 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 we kind of get to a point could be real estate, right? Maybe the yeah. office is, the yard is, whatever, you know, whatever they've been kind of working with that, that isn't, um, you know, that can be improved on or is going to help them accelerate growth. That's really what we're, what we're there to do. Um, we bring, uh, we bring benefits. Uh, we've got great, uh, healthcare benefits. I mean, really mm-hmm. world-class benefits. Um, we bring, uh, PTO and holidays to everybody in the organization. So not just, you know, not just the exempt folks, um, 401k, uh, you know, we, we, so valuable. Yeah. We focus on, um, I mean, that's the first thing we did within 90 days, everybody in the company had PTO, everybody in the company had paid holidays and everybody was, was eligible for benefits. Uh, When I was working for the residential company, I mean, perfect example. I had a, I had my first child and I didn't get maternity leave. They didn't even know what maternity leave was. So all those things that us millennials like Justin and myself expect now as a benefits package, you are able to provide. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, most of these guys have a very specific reason why they want to sell. And, um, what I try to do is just try to understand that and cater. Everybody's different, you know, so I don't think benefits capital, you know, strategy. I do think, you know, I think we're different than a lot of people and how we look at that, but benefits capital, everybody's got those kind of things. Um, but, but we really treat it, you know, every, everyone is different. Every person's different. Um, what they want to accomplish is different. And we just try to, you know, we try to understand that very early in the process and then execute on it very quickly post post deal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think if you ask any of these guys, they're going to say everything they said they're going to do, they've done um, and maybe more. So important in this industry. Be true to your word. Yeah. Well, I mean, authenticity is so you know, so rare, I feel in the professional world these days, everyone's just trying to sell you on the biggest and brightest thing. And then what you get is is so different and it's nice to hear your story. You know, what I'm picking up is that you guys are lifting the ceiling from these companies that are these, you know, one to 3 million EBITDA companies where the, the AR clerk has kind of hit the ceiling. There's nowhere else to grow. And unless they just increase their volume overnight, you know, maybe those people get bored and end up jumping ship. Uh, so it seems like what you're offering is, is not only a, a new career to a bigger and better playing field, but also kind of a retention strategy to some of the A players in those in those companies that if they didn't partner with your team, you know, maybe they would, uh, you know, they would run the cycle through. And I've lost a few people from just not growing quick enough and they kind of outgrow us. So we try not to let that happen, but from time to time it happens. So that ceiling that you guys are lifting is pretty impressive. You know, I want to get to something real quick before, you know, we run out of time. From talking to you last week, the type of service you provide your clients, I think is very unique in our industry. So Jeff, maybe you could give us an overview of just what's your standard client look like and how do you guys service such a volume of clients on a, on a weekly basis? Yeah. So, you know, every market, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, site one had a term, you know, large and local, you know, we got, we're, we're a large company, but we serve our customers locally. And that really resonates with me because, you know, 
the the Mooresville, North Carolina market, it's it's different than the South Charlotte market. You know, the customers are different. So um, in, in Mooresville, for example, um, we don't have maintenance contracts with our customers. Uh, we invoice them every Monday for what we performed the previous week. So if all we did is a weekly service, they're going to get invoiced on Monday for what we did that previous week. Um, and then Wednesday, we hit their credit card. Um, but if we if we mowed their grass, prune their shrubs and mulch their yard, they're going to get invoiced for those three things that week. Right. So um, so you can cancel at any time. So there's no you know long term commitment to what we do, um, you, you know, which is, I think, advantageous to customers um, in their market, you know, January, February, and even March. You know, it's kind of an every other week service. And if you're rolling all that in and dividing it by 12, they're like, oh, my God, I just six hundred dollars and they were here twice this week but what they don't remember was you know we you know we were there you know five times in july right and we only got yeah. we didn't get paid so um so that's really unique in, in terms of how we, we we go to market there um and then we're really focused on um, we answer the phone in all of our offices super important um and then we we try to give them a high touch service without it being really high touch. So when we send send our crews out for turf care, right? It, that's a sensitive topic. My dog, this, I got that. We send them a text message. So when the work gets scheduled, they get a text message that says, hey, we're showing up and we're gonna we're gonna apply your pre-emergent, you know, stay off the lawn, water this, you know, whatever it is. And so we what we try to do, and that's all automated. So as soon as it gets scheduled, we've just got rules in the system and it and it goes and it sends it out. But um, when you go down into Florida, we're, they, they run a more traditional operation, right? They're, they're kind of an 11, 10, 11 month season down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got monthly contracts. And so, you know, I mean, I think the idea of paying for what we did the previous week is a great idea, but down there, you know, the monthly thing works. So we're, so we're, you know, running it monthly. Um, we are piloting, you know, new customers, do they feel better about, you know, no contracts or not? And it's kind of mixed emotions. Um, so, so on the residential side, I mean, that's, you know, that's really what we, you know, where, you know, where we try to differentiate ourselves. I think the, we also do some commercial about 30% commercial. I like to use the term boutique commercial or unique commercial. We like to do things that, that not everyone else is, um, is either capable of doing or is going to do to the standards that, you know, that, that we're going to do it. Yeah. So we think our commercial work, we, we treat it like, you know, we come onto that property the same way we would Mrs. Jones house, right. We're going to make sure we close the gate and we're, you know, we're going to tread lightly. Um, and, and a lot that, of times probably the, your clients' businesses, I saw that a lot when I was working in that space, right. Space. Is that yeah. kind of accurate? Yep. Well, but, but that like in, uh, for example, in Alabama, Quality Creative Landscape, they joined us in March and Craig Krim was one of the owners and he was an early adopter of the concrete modular block, you know, like mm-hmm. the, uh, the, tan- the the Anchor Diamond Pro or whatever. And um, and they're the largest commercial wall builder in the state of Alabama. So if there's a big wall to be built in Alabama, like they're probably going to do the work, right? Um, for no other reason than They've got the expertise, the capability, the skill set, um, and the manufacturers standing behind them saying, look, if you're going to build that wall, you, you should probably hire these guys. And that's the work <laughs> that we like to do. 
Um, and, and we'll always, you know, we're not going to shy away from commercial work. We may double down on growing the residential side because we like, we like the margins and the exposure there a little bit better, but, mm -hmm. but we're not going to shy away from the things that made these companies great. And we'll always, um, you know, that commercial residential market, they're very counter cyclical. So I, I like having exposure to, to both sides. Um, but, but we, we just try to look at the business and, and, and be flexible to what's made them successful. And if there's ways we can, we can help them, um, get better than, then then we'll do it. And if it, if they're already doing it well, we'll we might adjust our, our style or our strategy to, to, uh, accommodate their needs. Awesome. Jeff, I, I love your strategy on that. We we operate in a similar fashion of residential and commercial worlds. It's not easy to have the same types of service in the same company, you know. But I what I want to commend you for is the fact that your your flexibility in each market and focusing on what that market needs. It seems like the word intentionality comes to mind when you're talking. And I just got to say, I, I it's it's a fresh new look at landscaping. And I, I just want to say, I appreciate that. And I think you guys are doing a great job down there. So, you know, Maggie, I know you kind of got a, a wrap up question for Jeff here and yeah. I was supposed to prep you for this, but I didn't. So you're going to have to answer it on the fly. <laughs> it's on the fly, just like we, <laughs> we like to do in the landscape world. So um, one of the unique things that Justin and I are trying to do on this podcast is to pull secrets out of the, the minds of the people in the industry, uh, minds like yourself and, um, just to something that you can't find in a book that you can't find, you know, um, on the internet. So, um, if you had to, we were going to call it our trade secrets or trading secrets here together on the, on the show. And, um, Jeff, if you had to, to divulge a secret that you've learned in your many different areas and career, your career stops along your path, um, what is something that you think is, critical to know um about the industry or just about you know your but your your path business growth in general yeah um you know i would probably say uh it would be our five cylinder engine and you're probably saying five cylinders <laughs> I mean, British. um so this is something that that i developed uh back at nds and it and it's played true at at NDS, site one, and, and, and now in our business today. Um, and so the first cylinder of the growth engine is to hang on to what you got, right? It, it's the most important thing. We all have this maintenance business. It's the annuity, right? If we, if, if we anniversary all of that and we put a 5% price increase on it, we just grew 5% and all we did was just take care of our customers. So that's so important. Um, at, at, at NDS, we used to have this great slide. We'd say, protect at the moat, right? This guy with a machine gun and a plastic catch basin, right? Don't let them cross the moat, but hang on to that, that annuity, super important. Um, number two is uh, you got to sell something new. And so, Justin, I was really interested in your water management business. Yeah. Right. So selling something new isn't selling a, a new customer something that you already sell. It's selling all your customers something new. So it might be bringing um, landscape lighting into your business. It might be bringing drainage into your business. You know, I mean, there's there's a handful of categories you do, but you, you, you've got to have, you know, two or three things that you're trying to, to do that are new 
every year. It, and, and maybe only one of them is going to stick, but those new things tend to have kind of a hockey stick growth kind of strategy. And so, you know, year one, it might be a hundred grand. Year two, it might be 500 grand. Year three, it might be a million dollars. And then that growth just kind of compounds. So you've always got to be thinking about um, selling something new. Um, I think the third thing that we need to do is, um, is we've got to earn market share. You know, so we have to go out and we have to be better than our competition. And we have to, we have to bring um, new business into our, you know, into our mix. Um, and, and that's important. And you got to be strategic, right? Like what, what, what category of business do you want to, do you want to go earn share in? Well, do you want to go earn, you know, a bunch of new maintenance business or do you want to invest in, you know, um, selling more enhancements? It's two different, it's two different vehicles, but it needs to be intentional, right? Because if you want to grow new maintenance, well, we just need to go get a truck, some equipment and two guys and put a Facebook ad out. We can fill a maintenance crew like that. But mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's a 45% gross margin. Whereas if we were going to go out and sell enhancements, well, now I've got to go hire a salesperson, but that's going to give me a 60%, you know, or 55% gross margin, right? So, so making sure you've got a good strategy around, um, around market share. Um, then I think it's growth plans. So, you know, if you look at your existing customer base, um, how do you grow that existing customer base? Meaning, how do you get your existing customers to do something that they've never done before, they aren't doing from anyone else, but would benefit them, right? So, you know, we've got a floriculture division in Mooresville, North Carolina. It's a great business. Not only are the margins terrific, but Flowers and pots make everyone happy. I don't care <laughs> what kind of curmudgeon you are. If you come home from work and you've got awesome pots on your front porch that look amazing, it just takes the stress out of the day, right? Yeah. So, you know, you've got to have some sort of a growth plan strategy. And again, that's not going to make your year. But if you grow your floriculture from 250 to 500 to 750 to a million, that tends to steamroll. And then when you've got multiple locations now, you know, you know now it's, now you got a $10 million floriculture business, right? Um, which is really cool. And then the last thing, um, the last cylinder of the engine are projects. And I always say projects are the difference between a good year and a new boat kind of year, right? <laughs> um, so those big projects, anywhere I've ever been, you always land these big projects. And I always encourage my team, you know, look, celebrate the fact that you've landed that project Go home, take your wife and kids out to dinner, a nice dinner, and then wake up in the morning and be really worried because you've got to replace that revenue next year, right? <laughs> you've got to sell that thing all over again, right? Yeah. But it, you've got to do those five things. So you've got to you, you've got to hang on to what you've got. You've got to sell something new. You've got to earn market share. You've got to have a growth plan strategy with your customers, and you've got to sell projects. And every uh, one of our businesses is, is in a different place. Some of them have, you know, 100% retention rates. Some of them might only be 90, right? So how do we get, and why is it 90? Is it a turnover? Or are we just not recapturing when houses sell? You know, whatever it is, but we've got to have a really good strategy. So when, when I put my budget together every year uh, on the whiteboard, I put the five cylinders up and I put a growth percentage 
in each one of those. And that's where our growth is going to come from. And then we tie that back to our business objectives. And then we tie it back to our, the activities that drive those. And that it's like fundamentally, I don't care how experienced of a salesperson you are or how experienced of a manager you are. It just really resonates with people like don't lose customers, right? What can we sell that's new? I I need to get some of these new estimates out. Hey, I I need to ask Mrs. Smith about floor culture and don't shy away from the big projects because they're hard, but they're fun and they're very profitable for us. So I think for me, like that, that is the secret sauce that I'm not afraid to share because it's really hard to execute. Um, A lot of companies do one or two of those things really well, and they're going to get their five to 7% growth. But we want, you know, we want 12%, 14% organic growth every year. And to do that, it's got to be very intentional. On the fly. That wow. was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't even prep you for that. And that was, wow. Um, learned so much from those, those five cylinders. And um, you have no idea how many companies I talk to and specifically about the projects piece that are like, well, we're this much in revenue this year because we have a really large project going on. And in my mind, I'm like, that's not the way you should be looking at this. You should be looking at this. We're going to find a project double the size next year. So um, really cool to hear you say that too. Justin, I know that you guys do some of those types of projects as well. Everybody's always heard me. Everybody's always heard me say, well, so what? Not so what that I don't care, but so what are we going to do, right? Justin told me about this awesome water management project they had and it was like huge dollars i was like that's yeah. awesome what are you gonna do this year right <laughs> like, you gotta do it all over again right? oh yeah so, well i'm sure katie's gonna be listening to this and she's thinking the same thing as that you know 600 controller uh retrofit is is winding down it's like where's the next 600 controllers we need to replace you know and they're out there we just got to go find them yeah well jeff you know, we to find them one, one sale at a time yeah. yeah, you got a canvas for that. But, you know, <laughs> the word that keeps coming to my mind is intentionality. And, and, you know, just congratulations on the last two years, your growth, your startup. I think it's very inspirational to me and, and many others in the industry. And congratulations on that. I, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, I yes. appreciate it. A lot of fun. And, um, you know, I look forward to, you know, hearing your podcast uh, and the other guests. I, I try to I try to suck these up the best I can. I spend a lot of windshield time. Um, I drove 43,000 miles last year um, oh going from kind of branches to branch. That was part of the Southeast strategy. I, I had accrued like 2 million miles on Delta and I was like, this isn't good. I don't want to get in a tube anymore. So um, now I'm thinking flying is great. So <laughs> you're, you're about ready for like a, a little private jet or something, you know, a little Pilates. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. My Chevy Tata <laughs> carries me everywhere I need to go. It's great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we're excited to hear about what what new things to come and what's next for KeySurf. Yeah, I appreciate it, Maggie. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate the invite. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody. Have a great afternoon.